the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Thursday morning. We're so glad to have you tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with Alicia Quibido. Hey, Alicia, good morning. Good morning, morning Gabby. Good morning, everybody. Well, it's Thursday. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised yeah. this morning. I, I have not had the right day of the week since the new year started, but me I'm too. On board. At least I'm yes. writing 2023, which usually takes yes. me a while. <laughs> so today is the feast of St. Fabian. So Let's start with prayer this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Almighty, ever-living God, who govern all things, both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, St. Fabian, pray for us. Pray for us. We're looking forward to a great show today, starting off with some events in your listening area. Alicia and I will tell you all about those, so stay with us. In 18 minutes, Krista Thomas joins us. She's a publicist with Tan Books, and today she's going to be talking about the book called Meditations on Death, preparing for eternity. This is something I don't like to talk about. It's uh, very uncomfortable, but I think it's something that we maybe should reflect on because sure. it's uh, it's inevitable. Well, that's it why will we're happen here, right? to we're, all of us. We're preparing. Yes, so we are yes. preparing. We never know. So uh, when God will call us, looking forward to speaking to Krista today about that. And in 35 minutes, David Dawson Jr. joins us. He's the director of the Office of Parish Support for the Diocese of Homo Thibodeau. And every Thursday, he talks about marriage and family life. Well, today's topic is going to be about overcoming obstacles to praying in the home. So quite an interesting topic. Looking forward to hearing from Dave. And in 48 minutes, Deacon Martin Gutierrez is the Chief Operating Officer with Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. He will be updating us on the wonderful work that Catholic Charities does in the area. So looking forward to great guests today yes. and great topics. It's going to be a wonderful time. You're right. You're right. It will be. Uh, your wonderful weather isn't quite here. You know, <laughs> we had that cool front pass through overnight. So their light winds and clearing skies have allowed for a little bit of patchy, dense fog over portions of southwest Mississippi and southeast Louisiana. Uh, be careful as you're driving into school and work in, in most of our listening area. Visibility has dropped to uh, half a mile or less across portions Mm -hmm. of the area. So uh, use caution when you are traveling this morning. Uh, So that rain is moving, which means sunshine is coming uh, with comfortable uh, temperatures later on in the day in the low 70s. Current temperatures in our listening area, Baton Rouge 55 degrees, New Orleans 58, 
Ponchatoula, 53. And in Biloxi, Mississippi, the temperature is currently 57 degrees. So it should be a beautiful day. We'll just get rid of a little bit of this mm-hmm. uh, this fog and this 100% humidity, and then we'll be in good shape. <laughs> My sinuses don't know if it's fall, <laughs> winter, spring, or summer, right? and the allergies I'm getting, what I've gotten the last two weeks, have reflected what I get in April, so <laughs> I you can't wait to know. see what April brings. There's so many new little yeah. things blooming, and then you never know. We might have a little I know. light freeze, and then it'll all go away. But that's how that's, it goes. That's the fun about weather and on the uh, along the Gulf Coast, right, Gabby? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. So, so, yes. So, uh, you know, we have some wonderful events coming your way when we come back from the break. There, there are great things going on. We especially want to highlight Nine Days for Light. Life Novena starts today. So we'll give you more details. It's five minutes after the hour on Wake Up. Blessed Thursday to you, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 3. Jesus withdrew toward the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed from Galilee and from Judea. Hearing what he was doing, a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Idumea, from beyond the Jordan, and from the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, so that they would not crush him. He had cured many, and as a result, those who had diseases were pressing upon him to touch him. And whenever unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. He warned them sternly not to make him known. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. Previously, St. Mark quoted the smoldering fury of Jesus' opponents. Now he shows us that Jesus' popularity skyrockets among the people. As violent plans are for many against Jesus, he withdraws towards the sea. Time for solitude is hard to find as crowds came from Judea, including Jerusalem and Samaria. Yes, even from outside of Israel. Mark gives us the sense that the whole world is coming to Jesus. He also contrasts Jesus' power to heal with the frailty of his own body as he runs the risk of being crushed by the crowds mobbing him. Mark informs us that Jesus cured many, signifying a large number. The use of the word many does not imply that some were left uncured. The evangelist tells us the large crowds were pressing upon him, literally falling on him to touch him. Some of the afflictions Jesus cured involved possessions by unclean spirits. Unlike either the religious authorities or the crowds, these spiritual beings professed a clear and certain knowledge of who Jesus was. They could read the signs. Their prostration before him was not in any sense a sign of genuine worship, but a respect compelled by Jesus' irresistible power and authority. They had no choice. Nor was their clamorous shout confession of faith, but an expression of their impotent and frustrated attempt to render him harmless. This fit the prevailing false view that one could acquire mastery over another by using the individual's proper name. The reality is they were helpless. 
Jesus' conquest of Satan's kingdom began in the desert, and it is unstoppable. Jesus sternly forbids these demons to publicize their knowledge of him. This gospel opens a shift in Mark's narrative as he begins to show us that Jesus is establishing a new Israel, a new family of God, the church. Indeed, Jesus is the heavenly bridegroom who has come to woo and then wed his bride in the new covenant of his blood. All are invited, but few are willing to free fall into his awaiting arms. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sager. Thank you, Father Chris Decker and Jimmy Sagers, for this morning's Gospel and Reflection. You're listening to Wake Up. It's 11 minutes after the hour. We're so happy you're tuning your heart to the truth on Catholic Community Radio. Well, we remember all of our uh, friends and uh, students and adults who are traveling to our nation's capital for the March for Life this week. So we want to continue to keep them in our prayers. Today, speaking of life and prayers, today begins the nine days for life. Life Novena. So we remember that life begins at conception and ends at natural death, and it deserves to be protected. So you can sign up today. It's not too late to pray with thousands of Catholics during nine days for Life Novena. That does start today, Thursday, January 19th, and ends Friday, January 27th. Uh, and it is a novena, as I mentioned, to, to protect human life. So you can sign up at respectlife.org. Uh, and find it there, but respectlife.org slash nine days for life. Uh, sign up for texts or emails. I signed up for texts, mm-hmm. which makes it so easy for us. So, uh, <laughs> And then remember, if you're uh, in the Louisiana area, the Louisiana March for Life is this weekend as well. Everyone deserves a birthday. That's January 21st, Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon. And that takes uh, starts off at our nation's, or I'm sorry, at our state capitol uh, in Louisiana on 3rd Street. There will be Possibly if it rains, there'll be a, a different plan, but you can check out that at lalifemarch.com. Great. Well, Theology of the Body Seminar is coming up next Wednesday, January 25th from 1 to 5 p.m. It is uh, brought to you by Dumb Ox Ministries or Echo Community, really. So people who have benefited from this seminar includes parents, young adults, priests, counselors, the list goes on and on, youth ministers. If you have a body, then this is for you. Uh, Friday, Friday attendance only for high school certification. There will be continuing education credit for any teacher of any subject and the Archdiocese of New Orleans who attends this seminar, they will receive 12 hours of continuing education credit. Theology of the Body or Theology of the Body Teens, Middle School Edition, there are certifications for it all. I know so many people who go to this every year and they have really good things to say about it. So Theology of the Body Seminar, you can go to dumboxministries.com slash totalvision for more information. Oh, that's great. Okay, so here's something fun coming up. Our friends at Women's New Life Clinic do so many wonderful things for women in crisis in our communities in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans. Well, this is a king cake 
coffee and conversation with the CEO of Women's New Life Clinic, Allison Daigle. Be a fun way uh, to get to know Allison if you don't already know her. Uh, visit with her if you do and find out more about the beautiful ministry that is Women's New Life Clinic. That's this Friday, January 20th. It's from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. at Women's New Life Clinic on Claiborne Avenue in New Orleans. You do need to let them know, you know, they want to make sure they have enough king cake for you. So you got to <laughs> let them know. You got you can contact Shelly at Women's New Life Clinic uh, New Orleans. That's 504-496-0201. Or you can email Shelly at smelton at womansnewlife.com. That'll be a great, great event. Yes, it will. And real quick, the 2023 morning of reflection, what it means to say yes to God is happening or will be happening on Saturday, January 28th from 8 a.m. to noon at St. John the Baptist Activity Center in Zachary, brought to you by Judy Klein and her daughter, Kara Klein Oob. We actually have this event on our website calendar at ccmedia.live. Stay with us. It is 15 past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 19th. Today we celebrate Pope Saint Fabian. Fabian was a Roman layman who came into the city from his farm one day as clergy and people were preparing to elect a new pope. A church historian reports that a dove flew down from above and settled on Fabian's head. Immediately the assembled crowd proclaimed Fabian worthy and the church had its 20th pope. The 14 years that Fabian led the church were mostly peaceful ones, since persecutions had subsided. Fabian was free to administer the growing church and oversee the construction of new churches. But good times for the church brought resentment among the pagans. One of the first acts of the Emperor Decius was to order all Christians to deny Christ in some official public way. Some Christians did succumb to pressure, but others, including Fabian, refused. There are no details of Fabian's martyrdom in the year 250, but there is evidence of it. In the catacombs of St. Callistus in Rome, the stone that covered Fabian's grave may still be seen. It is broken into four pieces, which bear the Greek words, Fabian, Bishop, Martyr. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Good morning. It's 19 minutes after the hour. You're listening to Wake Up on Catholic Community Radio. We are joined this morning by David Dawson, Jr. He is the director of the Office of Parish Support for the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are we doing? Great. It's glad We're glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, we are talking about this morning overcoming obstacles to praying in the home. That's a good one. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, I think that's one of those things. I think there's a funny how I think when we get together and, and if there's an opportunity to talk about the importance of prayer, uh, we're all on board. We all believe that it's good. We all believe we should be doing it. We all believe that it's fruitful. You know, we all believe that and we can even sometimes even picture ourselves doing it. Um, I know I've been in groups who are like, all right, we're going to commit to praying, you know, every day, you know, just a little bit of time each day. And uh, what happens is 
to go home and it pretty much doesn't come to mind again until we're in that meeting again. You know, like it's, it's yes. just gone. Yes. Uh, and I think that one of the things that I've realized over time in my own life and then working with other people, married people, parents, uh, just lay people in general, that it's it's we know intellectually that we should be able to and can pray in, in the context of our own homes and not have to only do that in church. People are, are there. But uh, it's tough to, I think, we know that intellectually, but to, to actually act on that, to, to, to actually, if we're not already have a prayer routine in our homes and we're not already doing it on a regular basis to start it up um, or to change it in any capacity to improve upon it, uh, although it's it, on paper it's baby steps, it yes. is not baby steps. Right, right. Uh, it's, it's like moving mountains, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, and are you are you talking um, individual prayer, prayer with your spouse, prayer with the whole family, or all of the above? All of the above. Okay. <laughs> all of the above. I think the easiest is prayer with the family. Interestingly enough, it seems like on paper it seems like the most complex, uh, but that's the easiest because uh, when you tell okay, the whole family is going to do this, you've got accountability, you know, with everybody, and uh, it, it's really. The other piece is that it, you can picture what it's going to look like. You've got more control over how it's going to go. There's not a lot of vulnerability. Um, success is easier because it just looks like sitting down and doing these things, and then you've done it. Um, and, and you can make it a part of your routine relatively easily, which is counterintuitive. You would think that the more people involved, the harder it is. But the family prayer is the easiest one to get going um, okay. because you want it for your kids. right? Well, that's that's really the motive. I want it for my kids. That's true. Do I want it for myself? Yeah, but I'll do it tomorrow. You know? Yes, yes, so, yes. That's, that's, yeah. So give us some concrete points, Dave, about, um, you know, do you, do you set an alarm on your phone? Do you, you know, do you really schedule it in your day uh, so that you don't miss it? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One, if you can schedule a new day, that's a huge help. But again, uh, as easy as that sounds, it, it typically just doesn't happen. I think the key here is that what I had to realize early on was that what makes it so difficult is that I really don't want to do it. Okay. Like that ends up being the heart of the matter is that I don't know how this is going to work out and to where I'm not just kind of going through the motions. Mm-hmm. I can't picture how God's going to respond if he does it all. My home doesn't feel like a spiritual place. Uh-huh. Um, and so I've got to, you know, my, if, if I have had times where God has responded in prayer, it's oftentimes it's been like in a retreat context or yes. an adoration or something to where it's been like some you know, set up for me and kind of spoon fed, uh, giving me this very spiritual feeling context, mm-hmm. whereas my house doesn't feel that way at all. Yes. And if it's just me and not somebody kind of handed me a routine or, or something to say, this is what you're going to do this. And this is going to be the, the results, you know, then I don't even know how to start. Uh, so I feel very incapable of, and, and, and I feel like kind of a disappointment and that's not a context I want to hang out in. <laughs> so right. I'll find every excuse to avoid it and that usually happens on the subconscious level we're not even conscious that we're doing that but we just can't you know quote seem to make the time um and that's i think the probably the biggest obstacle uh so one of the things that i found to be super helpful was to say all right look there's got to be some kind of accountability right so i've got an alarm that can be very helpful some kind of reminder on my phone um but if my wife and i decide hey we're both going to do this together before we go to bed uh, we're both going to do it in the morning. This is when you're going to do it. This is when I'm going to do it. 
there's at least some kind of account. So somebody sees that I'm rationalizing and, and making stupid, stupid yes, excuses. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Now, and then she can hold you accountable. It's just like exercising or any other, uh, any right. other commitment that you make that, that you just exactly. can always, it, things that can fall through the cracks, right? We, things for our children right. never fall through the cracks that, you know, it's like it's right. the things that we exactly. plan for ourselves that often do. Dave, do you have a special place in your home? Do you think that that's a good idea to set, set up a special place that's really, whether it's a chair or a, or a corner, a quiet corner uh, for mm-hmm. prayer? Yeah, I do. I think that's important. Um, I think that it's, it's helpful to know where you're going to do it because, mm-hmm. but, but the key is um, a lot of times the assumption is if I have a place, then I'll do it. Uh, when the truth is, I think that what I've seen a lot of times, I've seen myself do it, I've seen a lot of other couples and people do it, that they spend a lot of time setting it up uh, and they never use it. Oh. I know I, I had a dealer in my bedroom that I didn't use for years, but the fact that it was there meant that I was probably, I was probably using it. And all, all that, that's all that, all, all that mattered, you know, was that it was there, <laughs> you know? Yes. And it's, uh, I think what the, the key there is that number one, it can't be too comfortable. Mm. Uh, so like in my bed is a really bad place to pray. Right. Um, even if I'm not falling asleep, which I probably am, um, then my brain is just wandering because it's my rest place, you know, so sure. it can't be too comfortable. Um, and also it's gotta be a place where I'm not going to be interrupted. Oh. Uh, so even if it's just like 10, 15 minutes, it's gotta be a place where I can close the door. I can tell hey, our kids, it's not a time for you to come in a place where I've got some sort of control over the flow of traffic. Right. Yes. That's a yes. huge piece. Not too comfortable in some place where I can isolate myself. So, Dave, what do you, you know, you have uh, nine children, some of them very young. Yes. Do you yes. let the children know uh, this is dad's prayer time? Please don't come in. Or or do you allow somebody to, to wander in and join you? How do you, are you strict about that time being just yeah. for you? So the, the, I found that if it's really going to happen, uh, it's got to be when the kids are asleep. So it's got to be either early in the morning or after the kids go to bed, uh, truth be told, or if I'm at work, you know, that yes. I can find a place at work just because, you know, th- there will be times where I, it kind of, because of circumstances, it's happening when the kids are awake and I do my best mm-hmm. to say, look, I got to have a time, but it's going to get interrupted. Right. And if somebody comes in, it's not a, at the end of the world. It's not like I need absolute privacy, but if they're in there, it's just a totally different feel. Yes. So I have found that, like, wandering in, okay, if I'm praying a rosary, maybe, but, like, if I'm sure. trying to actually listen to God, um, if the kids are wandering in and out, it's just not going to happen. Right. You know, it, it's just, I've got to, I've got to focus on them, and they know that. Yeah, so it's, it's, I have found that for me and for most of the people that I know with kids, um, it's got to be when there's just not going to be any demands on you, you know. Yes. So it may mean I'm waking up earlier. It may mean, and for me, what it meant, first of all, with the breakthrough for me was, I'm going to do it before I go to sleep. If mm-hmm. I haven't done it today, it's kind of happened before I go to sleep. No compromise. I got to have yeah. some accountability on that with my wife or a group of guys or something like that. Right. And that way the kids are all in bed. Everybody's in bed. And I'm, I might be dying. I might be tired, but <laughs> I'm going to do it before I go to sleep. So it may mm-hmm. mean that I'm up for an extra 15 minutes and it's really not the end of the world. Right. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Funny how we can um, take that that go to bed fifteen minutes later if we're uh, changing the laundry yeah. or right, you know, doing something else exactly. around the house, uh, uh, preparing something for or the next YouTube day. Videos and if somebody texted me, you know, yes. I just have to watch those before I go to bed. Right. right. I got fifteen minutes. <laughs> right. Well, you never know. You might hear a little nugget you need. But um, so <laughs> let's talk about shifting just a little bit because we know adoration is a yeah. beautiful place to pray. 
Can you talk a little bit about uh, bringing children to adoration? I know there are a lot of people who cringe when I say that, uh, but, you know, bring them. Right. And I think that that adoration is not, you know, just because, you know, if you're if you're a regular adorer and you sign up for an hour doesn't mean you can't pop in. Right. So let's talk about adoration with children. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you've got a church where they've got an adoration chapel, um, it, it, there should be uh, an option to always be like, hey, like, we're going to pop in, you know, if we're on our way somewhere or something like that. Like, I think our, to have the kids used to the fact that, okay, if we're on our way somewhere, we might actually just stop and pop in. Yes. Um, and, and I think for me, what's been a huge help is explaining to them what it might be like for you in there, right? You might yes. find that you, your mind is going all over the place. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But and, and, and it's not meant to be like you got to somehow be perfect at this. I think that that's what makes it so hard for kids. And I know, to be honest, it makes it hard for adults to go in there. I I feel like I've got to go in there and be perfect and know how to do this and know how to listen, know how to be perfectly attuned, you know, and perfectly pious. The truth is we just got to go in there and know that he's there and do our best and fight through it. And I think giving them a realistic understanding of of what it's like in there, Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to set some sort of superhuman standards that we can't even meet, um, that's the huge piece, that they know that they can be human. Yes. And with the little littles, you know, we're just doing our best. And just to know that you're not going to be in there for more than five minutes. Oh, <laughs> right. Because you're in there for more than five minutes, they're, they're toast, you know. And yes. then the older they get, the longer you can potentially stay. Yeah. Right, right. And I think that's so so important to know. And, you know, sometimes if you march in there with uh, some toddlers, you may get a regular Adora, yeah. Adora kind of giving you the look. Like, you know, I remember the days of walking sure. into church with the baby and, and uh, having to right. climb over people to get into the pew. Uh, but, you know, yeah. it's so important. And it, for me, anyway, and I know that we, we see Jesus in the Eucharist every day when we see, receive the Eucharist. But being there, uh, my favorite place is right in front uh, of the monstrance. Yeah. It's just feeling like I am beholding Jesus eye to eye. Like we're just really looking at each other, you know? Yeah. It's, it, and it, look, I mean, when any relationship, uh, the more time we spend with somebody, the more we get to understand how they operate, how they communicate, what it means to be in their presence. And just because, so, so, so God knows us and he's been knowing us through and through. That doesn't mean we know him. Uh, so yes. it takes time and it takes just, I mean, honestly, the, the, the quantity of time that we spend in there is, is, is extremely important. Awesome. David Dawson, Jr., Director of the Office of Parish Support in the Diocese of Home of Thibodeau. It's always a pleasure to visit with you. Check it out at htdiocese.org. It is 35 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning your heart to the truth on Catholic Community Radio. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido. Our next guest is Krista Thomas. Krista is a publicist with Tan Books, and today she joins us to talk about the book called Meditations on Death, Preparing for Eternity. Good morning, Krista. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, good morning. Thank you for asking. It's a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier on in the show that this is something that's kind of an uncomfortable topic. We really don't like to think about this kind of idea of it's inevitable. We're all going to die and meet our Lord one day, but we should also be preparing for that moment. So tell us a little bit about what we can find in this book, Meditations on Death. Well, first off, this particular book is really from an untranslated archive of 
beautiful text that has been attributed to Thomas Akempis. And most people think of Thomas Akempis because of imitation of Christ. Many, many people have read that book. It's actually one of the most beloved works of um, Thomas Akempis, but he has written a lot more things that have been uncovered. And we have um, a wonderful monk, Father Nixon. He lives in Western Australia, and he is about translating some of these works, not just by Kempis, but St. Ambrose and a few other saints, although Thomas Akempis is not a saint, although he could be, but he's not. Um, mm. But the point is, is that he has uncovered a lot of these uh, works and has translated them for the first time in English. So this particular book, Meditations mm. on Death, Preparing for Eternity, is an attempt to get people to consider those things that are of eternal quality, not the passing things. And, you know, we've yeah, if we wake up in the morning and we go to work, we tend to our families, we go about our day and, and deal with all those stresses, but giving those over to God and understanding, contemplating the hour of your death, that's what this book is about. It is uncomfortable, I'll tell you, because it makes you reconsider all that you think really is important, and it makes you want to get to confession. It's really a great, what we call a soul-jarring work. It's amazing. And it is our book of the year, by the way. It's that good. Oh, oh my goodness. You know, it's so interesting to hear people's different interpretations of an afterlife or what we will encounter once we do die. Uh, it's all it's just quite interesting to hear people different perspective, but what we believe as Catholics it's quite is quite unique. Uh, and of course we hear in the Bible uh, we do not know the hour or the time our Lord will come and, and we, we don't know when our time will be. Uh, and sometimes it takes something tragic for us to reflect on that moment. Well, that's very true. And and one of the things I love about um, Thomas Akempis' writing here is that, you know, you're, you're tr actually trying to meditate. Th this particular work will draw you in to actually think about what you might be like at that last hour of death. It's kind of a mini retreat. So it just really makes you consider the last four things and to put it all in perspective and do the work now because if you are on your deathbed, what he, what I learned from this is you typically aren't in a position to be thinking truly about all those things that you should be making reparation for now. If you're on your deathbed, you you actually have regret, like, oh, I should have spent more time thinking about this. I knew this was going to come, and then all of a sudden, mm. it's here. Mm. So it really is a great encourager of reading in this book to get you to just consider. It actually tells you, draw, close your eyes, think about this last hour. What are those things that you need to make reparation for or need to go to confession for? And, and then mm. look at the rest of your life in those moments and live for Christ. Um, not live for mm -hmm. things that are passing. Krista, do, do they touch anything in this book, Meditations on Death, on how we can prepare for that moment? I think that sometimes when we are, you know, going to work and going through the routine of everyday life, we sometimes lose sight of something like this. You know, it's funny, yes. They actually do. There's actually uh, several chapters in here, and this is a small book. You can read this on the inside of two hours, but you'll be going back to oh, it. Wow. 
a lot because it's one of those, I call it the chunker book. Even though you can read it, you want to go back and you can take it to adoration with you. But one of the a few of these uh, topics inside the book are how to actually repent and convert. And, you know, how you, it's unreliable to wait for human assistance at your hour of death because you might not get it. You might not get the sacraments. So the idea behind it is to prepare the person through these words to actually contemplate what that last moment might be like and do the work now. Mm-hmm. And then constantly go back to it because of, you know, you're going you're gonna to be upset about the time that was wasted because you didn't do mm-hmm. the work while you were living and in good health. It's really, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm surprised about how good this book is. But I shouldn't be because Chris- it is Thomas Akempis. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and so, Krista, you're a publicist over at TAM Books. We talk about TAM Books all the time. You guys are always sending us wonderful works that have just released or something that's coming back into a, uh, you know, a, a new release as well. Any idea, because there's so many listeners out there who maybe have family members, maybe they're kind of lukewarm in the faith or have left a faith and they're tuning in or have you know, uh, children who have left the faith and they're worried about the state of their soul or they're worried about that hour when it will come for that person. Do you have any advice or any books that you can think of from Tan that could help maybe uh, those parents who have children who have fallen away who are kind of worried about that for their children? I'm glad you brought that up because as I was reading this book, that's exactly what I was thinking of. I think of all mm-hmm. my friends who have their own adult children um, that have left the faith. I mean, we do have a culture mm-hmm. right now that is is running rampant with, I would say, chaotic, diabolical stuff. And the, these mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people have found that they find their worth in what is actually in the passing of the earth, like all these things that they just don't want to get back to the faith, I would suggest you read this book first. Because when we talk about to our own children about leaving the faith and and they need to get back to the sacraments, what we're really not considering is, look, what can you consider that your last moments, What how might you think differently about your life? Would you have chosen God then? You know, have all of this regret at the very end of your life because you, you weren't close to the sacraments and you might not have that opportunity to, you know, rid yourself of that mortal sin at the end. If people pick this book up and read it, um, I think that they will be directed to have this kind of conversation about, like, you know, your death is really approaching. Like, you know, this, this idea, what is it, memo, morality, um, this, you know, think upon your death. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that one, yes, that particular Latin mm-hmm. phrase is very, very keen. And I think that um, when parents really love their, their children, they're going to have this uncomfortable conversation about when I die or when you die. This is going to happen. It's it's definitely inevitable. You can't stop it. We just don't know the hour which it will happen. So let's talk about this contemplation of, of being one foot away from heaven or one foot from hell. There's purgatory in between, mm. but you're not guaranteed, right? You We really do need to work on our faith life. And and maybe this thought and fear of, of hell, which they go, this book goes deeply into it, it's very uncomfortable. So I would say this conversation mm-hmm. should happen. It's hard to talk to people who do not want it to is. talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, it it's going to take prayer, a lot of time in adoration. Um, and, and that's okay, because look at St. Monica. 
St. Monica, Mm -hmm. what's so beautiful about her is she prayed for years, but she prayed that St. Augustine would come back into the church. What did Mm -hmm. God offer instead? Not only did St. Augustine come to the Christian faith, the Catholic faith, he became a priest, and he became doctor of the church, and then what happened after that? He became a saint. So he, yes. God gave St. Monica more than what she asked for. God can do the same for us when we pray. I would say pray Krista. in numbers. Yes. Absolutely. We're out of time. Krista Thomas, publicist with TAM Books. She was talking about meditations on death and praying for eternity. We could go on and on and on about this topic. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, and God bless you. You too. It's 45 past the hour on Wake Up. It is 48 past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth. Thank you so much for joining us on Wake Up. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Cuebido. Our next guest is Deacon Martin Gutierrez. He's the Chief Operating Officer with Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And today he joins us to give us the monthly update of the wonderful stuff Catholic Charities does in the Crescent City. Good morning, Deacon Gutierrez. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Gabby. It's great to be with you, and I appreciate the way you pronounce my name, Martin Mm -hmm. Gutierrez. You got it right. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, I uh, love having you join us, and we've known each other for such a long time. We've seen uh, the wonderful work that you do in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, particularly in Catholic Charities, and congratulations also. Lots of things happening at Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. You hired a new director of institutional advancement over at Catholic Charities. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what this means and what that entails? Yeah, so we're really excited to have uh, Mr. Samuel Rotman on board as our Director of Institutional Advancement. And uh, it's a very important position that leads our fund development uh, efforts for the entire agency for all close to 30 programs that we have. And uh, he's someone that brings both service and faith deep in his heart. And, um, you know, before accepting this position, Samuel served as the development coordinator for the Southern Dominican province. So uh, uh, I'm assuming that the friars at uh, the Dominican friars are not too (laughs) happy about him leaving, but I know that they wish him well. (laughs) And uh, we are glad to have him. He comes to us with a lot of experience in the social service areas. He worked at one point, he worked with Boys Hope and Girls Hope and with the Louisiana Interchurch Mm. Conference. So we're looking forward to having Samuel have a great impact um, in, in his career with Catholic Charities, but, um, you know, it's really important to see, too, that he brings that uh, service and faith uh, component com- components combined uh, in his heart and in his actions, so looking forward to working with him. Looking forward to it, and hopefully we can have him join us on Wake Up because we love hearing about different roles within Catholic Charities. You guys are uh, such a wonderful organization to helping people every day who need help. Let's talk about a campaign that is currently happening right now, the Archbishop Hannon Community Appeal Campaign. You're already at 90% of the goal. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what this appeal is and the funding that this goes toward? Uh Yes, Gavin. This 
this uh, community appeal has been going on for many years. You know, we, we do call it the Archbishop Hammond Community Appeal. Uh, however, every Archbishop since uh, Archbishop Hannon has been very involved and leads mm. the effort. So we count on the support and the blessing of uh, Archbishop Amen, and he's very active in this campaign. And it's really important to know that not every grant that we have covers everything that, um, that we do on behalf of the clients that we serve, on behalf, on behalf of the families and individuals we serve. As a matter of fact, most grants do not cover all the work that we are expected to do. So 93 cents of every dollar goes directly to our programs and services. And as, you, as you mentioned, we are at 90% of the goal. Um, we have a mm. few more weeks to go, and uh, we are um, confident that we will meet the goal counting on the generosity of the people in our community. So it's, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to count on this um, on this campaign in order to be able to meet the mission that we have in front of us. Absolutely. And you can also be a part of that mission of helping others in the area because your team is growing like we've talked about earlier on. And you also have some positions open at Catholic Charities for those who are looking for a job. Uh, tell us a little bit about what we can find as far as open employment over at Catholic Charities. Yeah, I encourage um, people in our community to look up, um, you know, our employment opportunities by going to our website, ccano.org, ccano.org, and that stands for Catholic Charities Archdiocese of New Orleans, but it's very easy, ccano.org, and go into our employment link, and uh, we're looking for people, persons with a sense of mission. Um, do you have to be Catholic in order to work for Catholic Charities? No, you do not. But obviously, you have to uphold the values that we uh, we hold as important to us as, as a Catholic institution, as part of the Archdiocese and the Catholic Church. Uh, we have mm -hmm. currently uh, dozens of openings, you know, especially in teachers. For, uh, we have openings for teachers in Head Start, CNAs in our PACE mm -hmm. program, and our Padua Community Services. Um, you know, again, you don't have to be Catholic. You know, we're looking for people mm -hmm. who have that sense of mission. And if uh, I just celebrated my 26 years working for the archdiocese, and um, wow. close to 20 years with close to 20 years with Catholic charities, and uh, you yeah. know the work that we do, the work that I've done um, together with my coworkers over the years have strength has has strengthened my faith, and actually led me mm -hmm. to answer positively god's call for me to serve as a deacon in the church so working for catholic charities obviously it is uh, allows us to put the rice and the beans on the table but it also fulfills mm -hmm. the mission that we all have as christian as catholics as well thank you so much uh, deacon martin gutierrez chief operating officer with catholic charities in the archdiocese of new orleans one more time where can we go to find out more information about what you do and what is being done over at catholic charities yeah, for more information on the services that we offer and for employment opportunities, go to www.ccano.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Gabby. May God bless you and have a great day.
You too. My goodness. Lots of wonderful guests today. Lots of yes. information. Definitely check out our Facebook Live video in the comment section. You'll find all of the information from today's show and guest information. But Alicia, one thing we didn't talk about during events was our Advent at Sea. We did it. Advent at Sea is coming up this December. I know it seems so far away, but it's really not. <laughs> uh, you're going to want to check that out at ccmedia.live. Right on the homepage, if you scroll down, you'll find information about Advent at Sea. You can cruise with Father Chris Decker for a nice long weekend. Uh, Mass will be daily. Father Chris will be available for the Sacrament of Reconciliation, as well as little... Uh, little fun and uh, lots of great, great things that are in store for you, right? So uh, check that mm-hmm. out, ccmedia.live. Uh, it is December 7th through December 11th, a Thursday through Monday, departing out of New Orleans. So just a, a little drive for most of our listening area. Uh, so do check that out. And we hope that you'll join us. All the information on how to put mm-hmm. your deposit down and make your reservation for Advent at C 2023 is on ccmedia.live. Gabby, I thought this this morning, it was appropriate for us to close our hour with the Catholic Charities Common Prayer. So let's start with that. prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, open our eyes that we may see you and all our sisters and brothers. Open our minds that we may understand their hopes and dreams, their sorrows and pain, their longing for you. Open our hearts to give generously of ourselves. Grant us wisdom to respond effectively to the needs of people with grace and compassion. Give us the courage to speak your words of life, peace, love, mercy, and human solidarity. Bless the people whom we serve and strengthen the staff and volunteers who reach out to them every day in your spirit of charity. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think that is such a beautiful prayer for a beautiful ministry. Absolutely. And thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Dr. Stanton McNeely joins us. He's the president of the University of Holy Cross in New Orleans. He'll give us an update of what's happening. Margaret Lovecraft from St. Agnes Parish in Baton Rouge talks about the Feast of St. Agnes. Of course, Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie. And we can't have an every other Friday without Terry Dixon with the Gulf Pine Catholic newspaper in the Diocese of Biloxi. He will update us on what's happening. Have a wonderful Thursday. God bless. is a production of Catholic Community Media.